Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have a really cool guest sitting on our couch today. You know, I'm not even going to describe what she's wearing. <laughs> Why do you always have to tell people what the guests are wearing? Well, I think it's kind of interesting, no? We could play some sensual music and... Oh, speaking of music. <laughs> hey, everyone, it's Amanda. And we have a guest here whose name is Holly. And Holly is a music industry expert. And, and a uh, performer. And a performer, Holly Dish. And she's going to talk about, um, you do consulting for licensing, right? Yes? Yes. I, yes. Uh, I help artists, writers, uh, publishers. I try to give advice. I... Um, try to educate on music rights because it's pretty specific. Right. Yeah. And I know nothing about it. Mark knows a little bit, but we do know from some Facebook conversations that a lot of RMTs and probably other healthcare professionals and people who own small businesses don't actually understand what is required and what kinds of licenses they have to have to play music in public spaces, such as clinic waiting rooms, or if you have to have a license to play music in your treatment room and what the differences are between the public space, the private space. So Holly's going to talk about all those things. Yay, music right. I know, I, I feel really bad that, you know, this is what you do and then we, we bring you in after work to do what you do. That's okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I obviously have a great deal of passion for what I do and who I do it for and who I do it for the people that write the lyrics, like yeah. the people that make the music. So, I mean, uh, not that I don't do it for Britney Spears, but I mean, Britney Spears may be performing some songs that she didn't write, yeah. for example. Mm -hmm. So, um, Probably I'm the majority of stuff she didn't yeah, write. Yeah, I would say. Um, but I'm obsessed with lyrics. Um, being in the hip-hop world, like, grew up on studying people's lyrics and mm -hmm. trying to make my own and... And, um, and so, yeah, I just, I have a great appreciation for it and it's not always easy to make a life out of, um, writing songs or making songs and making music. Um, so I feel like, you know, as an, as you know, I might read a really boring legal agreement, but if I know that at the end of the day, um, it's putting a couple bucks in someone's pocket that will allow them to make more music. Yeah. It makes me happy. Right on. Awesome. Yeah. So why don't you tell everybody first a little bit about you, kind of what you do? Okay. Um, well, I um, started off uh, just being passionate about music, recording music, making music, and then turned that into making jingles for people. And that became a music licensing library for film and TV. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of, the word licensing is very multifaceted. So the licensing that I was doing then was called sync licensing. And that's when you marry video to audio. Right. So that was like my initial kind of um, business, music business stuff past the jingle stage. And then after that, I got into understanding different types of rights with music, like making copies of music, which is also known as reproduction rights, and then public performance of music. Like, little did I know, when I started making music and I got up on stage at a venue, like a little <laughs> hole-in-the-wall venue, that you actually I... paid. Yeah, you could actually be earning royalties from performing your own music on a stage. Mm. And this kind of extrapolates onto your, so when you say music being performed on stage, that makes sense. Someone's performing. When music is heard on TV, 
that's also considered a performance. When music is heard on the radio, also a performance. So these are royalty earning um, because there's a public performance. Right. And this carries on to music like venues, like restaurants, basically anywhere you hear music and you're in the public um, so that a whole group of people can hear them. It's um, It could be royalty earning through different companies that collect royalties. So let's give a little bit of background. Amanda already gave a little bit of background to where this is coming from. On yeah. a couple Facebook groups, I saw a bunch of people kind of up in arms about, ooh, I, I'm, am I allowed to play Spotify in my treatment space? And then I brought up the idea of SoCan. And I was I kind of threw it out there that if you're going to play music in public space, you really need to have a license from SoCan. And uh, this way it allows people that write music and people that own the publishing to get paid with royalties. And I think that went nowhere in the group. I don't <laughs> I don't think anyone understood what I had to say. And so I'm like, let's get someone in here that can really make sense of all that. Right. Um, and it's super niche. Like, unless you've written a song and you're trying to figure out how to protect it, you will never come across performance rights or SOCAN, or there's also a company called ReSound, which does performance rights as well, but on the record label side. Mm. So if you look at a song and you have, you make it a pizza pie, split it in half, usually half of it's controlled by a record label, that's the recording. Mm -hmm. You can't do shit without the recording, unless you write a cover, if you make a cover of it. Um, And then the other half is the lyrics, the composition, right? So there's SOCAN that administers performance rights on the publishing side, like the lyrics and the writing. Before you start, can you tell everyone what SOCAN stands for? Society of Authors, Composers, and Music Publishers of Canada. Perfect. But it's not just Canadian music that they they administer. It's actually virtually like the world's repertoire. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, there's basically SOCANs, I'm making quotes with my fingers, um, all over the world. And what SOCAN does is they reciprocate with the society. So let's just say an Italian writer, um, their song is being heard on the radio here or on the internet because that's also a performance. SOCAN will take note of it, collect money on it, and send money back to the Italian society. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, this is this is a, like this has been going on for some time now. Yeah. <laughs> so, the internet stuff is newer, but all the what what's like all the licensing for businesses and stuff like that. Every society everywhere in the world, the world, the society, the countries that have these collection societies. Um, have a handle, have a grip on all the TV stations, radio stations, and venues and businesses that play music. And the reciprocation is that we we send each other money when you know Canadian artists are being played in other countries. You know this comes this comes back to us. Right on. Yeah. So I mean, what's cool actually is something more recent that happened. Um, remember, I mentioned there's Resound. Resound does performance rights um, for the artists or the record label, like the people that own the recordings. Uh, Resound and SoCan actually came together recently in a joint venture. Mm -hmm. So it's actually simplified a very confusing thing for people because some people are like, oh, I'll just, who do I pay? Do I pay SoCan or do I pay Resound? And it's it's for background music. I guess I'll just choose one of them or whatever. So there's a company called Intandem and uh, you can Google it. It's everywhere. Um, And it's really recent. Like I'm talking about like fresh out papers, like just printed, like, two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go to them and just get like a background music license for your waiting room at your spa and you don't have to worry about contacting 500 different people. It's just like a, you know, one license. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And this is a lot easier than people think it is, right? Like we were talking about this off mic that people get 
um, sort of afraid. Yeah. Like, okay, and so they just don't play music. They, and, yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about podcasting. As you said, some yeah. podcasters don't put music on their podcast because right. they think this is a difficult thing to do. However, it's actually a lot easier than people think it is, right? It is, and it's, like, intimidating. You don't want to, like, first of all, you, you don't want to take creator stuff, you know, and, you, and that's obviously a worry. Um, and you don't want to, like, be sued by someone, right? Like, so you're just, like, it's sometimes you live in fear and you're like, I just won't play music, right? Mm. Or you, you total pirate and you play everything and just hope nobody comes knocking at your door. It's super easy. It's usually super accessible. Like, like think of the market penetration, how many businesses there are to license. At the end of the day, it's like, it's micro-licensing, yep. you know? So, I mean, every dollar counts and mm-hmm. it all gets distributed back to, to the people who made the music, because um, these are often always non for like a not for profit organizations, and it's like um, you know you like pay a hundred bucks for the year or mm-hmm. something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not very expensive. Yeah, uh, there's a third option to that. By the way, it's not that either you're afraid and you don't play music or you're a complete pirate. Option number three, which I think a lot of people fall in, is you're a complete dummy and you're oblivious to the fact that this exists. Because that was me. Oh, I mean, for sure. I worked uh, the first place that I worked at. It was a small clinic. We didn't even know any better at first. And we just had um, music playing on like our computer speakers behind the desk just yeah. so that it wasn't complete silence when we were doing paperwork in Which between clients. Which was probably just for your own entertainment. It was just yeah. for us, but it was in the public waiting space and the patients that were waiting could hear the music. And uh, I actually had a client who was a uh, high up employee at SoCan and he came in, he's like, Amanda, do you know Did what you you're know? doing? And I was like, oh yeah. shit, Busted, yeah. So but that was busted me. But it was. But at least, uh, like the, the yeah, the only reason you knew about it was because your patient was yeah, like working no for a company idea. that knows all about this. Yeah, I had no idea. I just thought it's like, you know, you invite people over to your house, you have music on, so it's not quiet and boring. Exactly. <laughs> but only the clinic was not my home, although I felt it was. I was there a lot. Well, yeah. And in yeah. the room that you're actually massaging someone, like, that's way more private, right? right. Like, obviously, in a, a gym changing room... Or like a lobby of a hotel or or the waiting room of a, of a spa or business or massage therapy clinic. Like that's considered the public space. Mm-hmm. And so and it's also helping create the ambiance. Yep. Right. And it's it's adding value. And so my, like my thing is if I can always help maintain at least a minimum value to music and give people information around what that means like even for for podcasters and stuff like if somebody's not making money there's very minimal fees to pay like basically the value of music is kind of it's going to it's going to work in a balanced and and like like a good relationship with the with like if the actual company or project is earning money right right, right. so like it's never it's never so expensive that it would stop you from doing it you know? No, and like you said it's something that just me as somebody of the general public I don't know a lot about music that I wouldn't think about the fact that, yeah, every time these songs are playing, the person who created this should be getting something. something. They I should, know. Like, how do these artists get paid for things? Or how do the writers get paid? Yeah, so let's do that. Let's do, like, kind of a breakdown about how people get paid in music. Okay. Because I think the general public always thinks it's about the artist or the performer. Right. And has no idea the, the behind-the-scenes of songwriting and the behind-the-scenes publishing. Right. Um, well, back to that pizza pie. Yeah, I like the pie. You like the pie? I like pie, too. Um, <laughs> I <like> so, pie. <laughs> so there is that the company Resound that joint ventured with SoCan. Um, they're collecting for, for those performers. Like the guy who did the lick on... Um, uh, the fuck? Uh, heard it through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. Like, did that guy get paid? 
studio musician, right? Yeah. Paid $80 for his time. That song is that lick, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, I mean, ReSound really has supported like artists, players, mm -hmm. and, and obviously record labels, you know, there's an interest there, um, on collecting performance rights for that group of people. And then like SoCan, for example, is collecting for the people who wrote that words and composed that music. And so different products or different businesses will be licensed in different ways you know because SoCan is like they administer everything it's usually these easy blanket licenses they're not going to say what songs did you play in your waiting room you know they're just going to say well it's this for this and then they're going to distribute that according to um census data like they're going to get data from different sources nielsen um from background music suppliers themselves like the the big companies like stingrays of the world and galaxy like yeah. all of that stuff is factored in and, and it's like a matrix of variables that sends money out the door to to writers obviously major uh, major labels and major, major publishers own a great deal of stuff, right. but there's there's all what's really cool actually, and why I really love the internet and data is that big data like keeps uh, and even podcasts like or web radios, mm -hmm. it has details of every single song. Like the software captures all of this, and they could send these out to the societies of the world and literally. If Holly Dish ever did get played on a web radio, <laughs> I could get five pennies. Like it could happen, and it's like they might wait three years for those five pennies to become five dollars. But like, it, it's really cool because it's direct. Yeah. Like in sync licensing, where you're paying someone to put their song in a movie, I could call up a writer and say, "Hey, I got two grand for you," and mm. cut him a check. And that was the whole reason. That's my like raison d'être for like being in this business is to get money into the pocket like not a proxy of the pocket like yeah. the pocket yeah so i think what's beautiful about the internet is that now there's a bunch of software to do what man people had to do like radio stations you understand they have like some dude or an intern probably sitting there and logging Charting down every yeah. fucking song <laughs> that's played like there's software for that now so it's like it's changed it's changed the game somebody lost their job <laughs> sorry <laughs> It was a <laughs> shitty job. Okay, anyway. no, but there was a, there's a student radios out there who don't have the money for the software. I'm totally kidding. It is, <laughs> it is really cool as much as, you know, big data scares the shit out of me a little bit. Well, for sure. It's really cool that, yeah, now the people who are putting in the work and who are the people that the general public doesn't know. Like if you two who are in the music industry, you guys could probably spit back and forth names of writers or producers or whatever. I'm sitting over here like, I don't, was that the guy that served me coffee today? Like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, exactly. So it's nice to know that at least these behind the scenes people are getting something. And a lot of these, these people just want to be behind the scenes. For like, sure. There would bring, nothing would bring me more joy. Like I like getting up on stage, but nothing would bring me more joy to like hear someone else bring something I've written to life. Yeah, for and, sure. And like I, I do it all the time. Like you know, little things here and there. And for, in the jingle, you know, jingle world, I got to see that. It was like wh horrible stuff. You have to say the word dominoes like 500 times or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but you know, like you, it's just, it's so exciting to see your little, you know, your little babies come to life, you know, and, and it's nice to sit back and watch what someone else would do with it. And then, and the beauty is that even if it is, someone else doing something with it and they they hit the jackpot and they they get a that's you know, even better <laughs> that's nice too and then and then you can uh you know sit back and collect some royalties yeah for sure super sweet you don't have to be touring the world and that's what i loved about putting music in movies like these were like stay-at-home moms making six figures like because 
they wrote for the right movies and they placed their songs and yep. they just made the right phone calls and networked the right way or whatever. And it's so awesome. So who gets paid for music? So give us that breakdown. T- tell everyone what what a songwriter is, what a songwriter does mm-hmm. compared to what publishing is about compared to the performer. Okay. Let's start, um, let's start with the songwriter. Okay. So, I mean, the second you put words on paper or I guess digital words um like that's that's copyright you know like i remember back in the day i used to mail stuff to myself like mail cds to myself registered mail and like i wouldn't open (laughs) it and you don't open it you put it you put in the safe deposit box i'm protected for life (laughs) um so i mean uh that i mean copyright is created the moment you you create it and then there's different ways to kind of like protect it and register it and keep track of it and have record of it so i mean the person who who wrote those words um are definitely definitely the songwriter i mean the person who it could be the same person who composed the music or you could be working with a producer like i often all my my all my albums two albums (laughs) um i worked with either a live band or a producer and straight from from the get-go, because I wanted it to be good vibes and I didn't have money to pay these people, mm-hmm. um, we would just split the split writing, the writing 50-50. Yeah. Not even think twice about it. You made the music, I made the words, giddy right. up, let's go. Um, it wasn't always like that. Um, if, I had a, if I had a publisher, um, there's... There's basically a percentage of the the writing credits that are kind of sacred to the writer, mm-hmm. like you can't really take away. But a publisher uh, will probably have the line share because they will be marketing my music, getting my music out there, making sure it's uh, you know being followed properly and that everything is being collected um, when it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the master recording side, which is if I recorded it myself, I could be my own self-published. Uh, writer and own my recordings like if I paid for my studio time right then I own everything right I remember there was like this like notion when we were younger like take your masters if you leave your masters on that guy's computer (laughs) you own nothing right and and for sure there's something to the like if you haven't protected anything and somebody has your recordings technically they could go out and you know sell those or whatever um but i think that's a little bit more myth than anything and i think that happened more when studios like owned artists like just how they owned actors you know i think in this day and age um you know if you're working with somebody who recorded for you you're paying them for your time you wrote all the lyrics you recorded everything um all of that's yours you're like a one-stop shop for Mm -hmm. for the clearance of your music or whatever um but then you know part of protecting yourself is registering in places and part of wanting to monetize it make money from your music is registering with companies that are going to go after all these micro uses in all these different places and and try to get some money back to you for it right so um songwriter definitely the person who wrote it could be the music could be the lyrics could be both um publisher usually someone who's administering publishing on your behalf nowadays you have exclusive publishing deals and non-exclusive publishing deals. Um, you have just licensing deals where someone's kind of hunting down options for you, which it, it, they they get a piece of what they've placed for you, right, not right. everything. The traditional publishing deal, which is the legacy and, and what all these collection societies are based on, um, is somebody um, kind of controlling stuff on your behalf and doing it exclusively so that they have that vested interest, right? And there's there's positives, positives and negatives to all of it, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they would obviously maintain value to music. 
So as soon as you get these non-exclusive things, everything kind of gets diluted. Anybody can price things the way they want to price it. Um, and then there's, yeah, then there's the label or, or the recording of it, which is, um, you know, if a label can market you properly, distribute you properly, you'll have a distribution deal. Right. perhaps on the on the the record side so you know it could be all you or it could be you have a like a team you know where you're getting help from people that know what they're doing hopefully mm-hmm. yeah. i just realized i mean you've talked about it a lot on the podcast yep. but i don't know if holly has ever actually heard any of our episodes i haven't so now i'm gonna holly doesn't know about your background in music you know as she's talking about distribution no deals and you've already talked about what you've gone through yeah, in the what music do you... industry why don't you fill her in um i used to play in a band Okay. Actually, you probably you you probably are are familiar with our guitar player okay. because he's actually a producer now. Okay. Um, he's got a studio, Secret Suburbia Studios. Okay. Um, he's produced Maestro's newest oh, album crazy. and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like uh, the Toronto hip hop kind of community, Monolith. I mean, all those I'm, guys, Daniel. I'm pretty. And, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. Montreal okay. like through and through, and which like. And in, in like inevitably makes me hate Toronto growing up and like <laughs> reject anything Toronto like other than like Cardinal or whatever yeah, you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. back in the day. So um, I didn't grow up on the Toronto uh, hip hop scene, um, but uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, they're all buddies of ours. Okay, like, cool. A lot of them went to our uh, our high school. Oh, anyway, cool. so um, the, the guitar player he used to he used to he used to rhyme with them, and uh, his his stage name then was Sinister Soul. But he's he's he's, he's no longer <laughs> no he, longer sinister. No, sinister? no, now he sings rock music. Oh, um, nice. So yeah, so we were in a band. Um, originally it was called Fertilizer, and that was kind of shitty. It kind of reflected the band. Fertilizer was and, shitty. Hilarious. And then we uh, changed our name to Chrome, and uh, when we were Chrome, we started to get a lot of interest from record labels. Okay. Um, and then we end up getting management approach us. So the guys that managed I Mother Earth, they they took us on. And at the time, his partner was like vice president of Clear Channel Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we had big players in our corner. For sure. And um, so they set up, they were shopping us around to a lot of labels and they set up a showcase for us. And we had a lot of interest from Warner Canada and uh, Universal. Okay. And so they kind of both wined and dined us nice before a showcase and then they yeah they both offered us a development deal okay and uh so we talked about what a development deal is pretty much the record label gives you a shit ton of money says we like what you're doing but we don't know if you have the goods yet yep so give us an advance against royalties yeah so give us uh three or four more songs and if we like them you got a full deal okay but in this time you're in contract with us so you can't really go shopping around to anybody else all right and our management said no thank you we want a full deal or nothing because did you guys were you guys consulted no we 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 wanted the development deals well, of and, course. Exactly. And they were like, no. Well, they were just what, trying to play hardball? I, I assume I so. What do they care? We're just a little group and they saw some potential. Yeah. They've got all their stuff going on. Yeah. Vice President Clear Channel Canada, if he makes a, he makes some money off of us, then great. And if he doesn't, no big fucking deal, right? Yeah, exactly. So they, they turned it down looking for a full deal. And wow. so both labels said, sorry, this is what we're offering. Too bad. And so we canned our management and then we well, went back to them and said, hey, um, we're interested. That was our manager's decision, not ours. And yeah. Warner Canada said, sorry, we, we we don't have any more money. Wait, was it Warner? 
I can't remember. One of them. One of them picked up Billy Talent. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Warner that said, yeah, sorry, we don't have any more uh, money allotted to rock music. Uh, we were working with this band out of Mississauga called Billy Talent. And I was like, okay, cool. that's so sad. And I don't remember what Universal told us. I can't remember to save my life. And then like two years later, I'm stuck on the fucking 401 listening to CFNY. It was probably CFNY at the time. And I hear Billy Talent on the radio. And I call, like, I call up the guitar player. Been. I didn't know who it was. I called the guitar player. I'm like, do we play a show with these guys? Like, why do right. I know this name? He's like, yeah. that, that's our fucking development deal, brother. I was like, God. Oh, that stings. Damn it. So yeah. eventually, eventually we ended up like changing our name and stuff. We ended up having to change our name because a lawyer from BC that was Somebody working with a band. somewhere. Exactly. Stop couldn't, using. Couldn't be Chrome X? Bush X. Stop using the name Chrome. So we changed our name to Secret Suburbia. We got different management. We ended up scoring a distribution deal through, okay. through Universal. Cool. But then uh, internal shit with the band went went like this. It always And it went happen. like this over writing credits and publishing. No yeah. way. So it wasn't, did you guys go in the let's split everything equally direction? Because that usually avoids it. But obviously... You- Maybe you were writing most of it. No, I don't so, know. I don't know how much detail he wants to give. Oh yeah, no, seriously. Okay. There was, yeah. There was you don't have a phone to. call last night from one of the band <laughs> members saying, "Did you know that we were supposed to get this and this and this and this?" It's actually really funny because one of the former band members called me up last night. Last night, and he was just recently talking to someone from SoCan. He's like, "Did you know we we should have got paid for playing at these venues if we were registered with SoCan and well, it's and it's retroactive, so we can still do that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I knew that, but." five pennies didn't yeah. mean didn't mean much to me yeah. right so uh, essentially what what our problem with the with our with the writer because he wrote the majority of the material we did contribute because i mean he brings an idea and we yeah. we, we we polish it off well, of like course. that to yeah, me yeah, that's yeah. part of the writing process of course absolutely but anyway so he didn't consider that to be the case and when things were seeming like they were going really really well i was just like dude listen i just want some security in all this in other yeah. words i don't want to watch you driving around in a nice car and i'm i'm, and I'm pedaling on a bike So let's talk about small percentage of writer credits or small percentage of publishing. And guess what? If you make nothing, I don't even really want to take that percentage. No, but it's better to figure it out before someone makes something. Exactly. Because then you're just a petty asshole. Exactly. But I think that, you know, like from what I've, when I consult with like uh, new and up and coming bands that are like, you know, um, Landmark is um, a company in Montreal who like does a lot of these battle of the bands and then like the winner gets like, you know, all these tools and stuff to yep. deal with. Um, and uh, I know the guy, Arthur Call, the guy who runs it, is, is an old friend and super awesome. And so part of the winning package is like a conversation with me about like <laughs> licensing. Um, so I'm so I'm You're part, a prize. I'm a prize <laughs> to somebody. Um, I'll tell my husband every day. Every day. Um, so, yeah. And when I talk to them and they're like, well, what do we do and how should we do it? And I write most of it. And I was like some of the most successful bands in the world, regardless of, you know, just split how much. Just and especially if these aren't studio musicians. Exactly. If this is your band. Your band. That was that's I what, think that's I what really I brought believe up to in him. it. I was like, listen, man, we're here contributing to the songs with you. Fine, you're writing the lyrics and you're writing the metal, melody, but we're contributing to the music. Like I'm laying down the bass part. He's laying down the drum part. Yeah. I'm making contributions into the structure of the song. Of course. Right. So okay, that that's one thing. Back to the guy on the lick. Exactly. Right. I mean, like some of this stuff is iconic. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was kind of the basis of that discussion. Yeah. Uh, and it's totally forgot where I was going with it. It just imploded. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it happens. Pretty I much. think to the the best of of people, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, um, I think, you know, if I have any advice to 
people who are making like making music like like you said get it out of the way yeah. before before yeah that's what I was the, that's what I was before you hit the jackpot that's what I was gonna say because we're not session players we're your band dude like we're yeah. you're in your basement and in the studio with you doing all the stuff we're the ones that are performing with you yeah. so unless you plan on paying us like yeah, how for you your pay, time every time exactly. you're together yeah if you're gonna pay us as you would pay a session player then yeah. fine if you're not and we're your band then we're the band yeah that's and it. everybody I've worked with like I I record an album with um these guys out in Germany which was super random he was in Montreal he was at the studio he was like would you he heard me rap and he was like let me do all the back the bed tracks for you um nice. actually do you remember the, you guys remember the band Tokyo Hotel yeah you do mm-hmm. okay they were kind of androgynous i think they were two guys i don't know anyways they they had this amazing studio in literally it's called broken wheel in, in german uh, a town in germany mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere so they recorded all these amazing music beds in these people's studio because one of the guys worked there and um from day one i was like it wasn't even a question like i didn't even know his players and i was just like split it up i'm like for sure these guys might be earning royalties like from something in germany that i don't know but the point is is i could call these guys up any day yeah and they, or or fly out there they would set up a tour you know like the, like the the energy that is created by making um music together with people and like the vibe i mean that's that's 90 percent of it's the journey like the fact that you made that music together is is what should be cherished and like the likelihood of stuff popping off and being in the right place at the right time or whatever um is rare so you might as well and that stuff not did, burn your bridges that stuff did get in the right place at the right time like right like he ended up having some of his stuff played on some fox tv shows sick mm-hmm. um he ended up having his some of his stuff played in movie trailers yeah yeah commercials like sometimes like yeah. that in this day and age remember it used to be the radio that broke music that's why i was so excited about sync licensing because it's actually like commercials and and film and, yeah. and stuff like that, that that break songs which is like awesome mm-hmm. and then you hear it on the radio i've i how many times have i shazammed like a song in a commercial being like <laughs> what is yeah, this yeah true true yeah there's certain songs i have on my playlist that just came out of commercials like, right i would hear it over and over and i'm like what is this but I also this. commercials up their game from the jingle see yeah. that's where when i was doing the jingle thing like for all the old school companies the pet stores whatever whatever but at one point or another that's why i put together a music library i put together a music library of like about 30,000, 40,000 songs, um, all from independent artists and whatever. And um, because I, I mean, amazing songs in a commercial are, are killer as mm-hmm. opposed to like a cheesy jingle. You know? Yeah, for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But yeah, music industry is not for, is unforgiving. It's ruthless. It's, um, it's dirty. It's ugly. It's beautiful. Like it's everything, right? It's so weird. That is the only way I can describe it. It is weird as fuck. I know. I started, um, first getting like into music and performing when I was living in Vancouver and I would just go out like I had friends that were DJs and just I'd go out to like rap on some instrumentals right just mm-hmm. to like get a mic or in my these DJs who were like my friends but not close friends would fuck with me to the point of we'd decide on the instrumentals and they'd throw some drum and bass shit on that was like <laughs> BPM of 150 or something and I would be like what are you doing like like maybe you're having fun making me look like a fool but it would be cool if this just worked out as we planned, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's like, I think there's a lot of ego, yeah. you know? And Montreal was, like, Vancouver was actually better ego-wise than Montreal and, and Toronto at first. But um, I think, you know, at this day and age, like, you you don't even need to be in a big city. You know, no, online, you, you can just, 
Like, how many people can can find their little niche on like SoundCloud or YouTube or whatever? I yeah, hate to plug sure. Justin Bieber, but, <laughs> but 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 right? Why would you hate to plug Justin Bieber? No, I love Justin Bieber. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. I love Justin Bieber. My kid also loves Justin Bieber. <laughs> um, did you know when you Google? So my phone was out of service. We were camping. My kid loves to Google things, like because of Google Voice, right? And he's like. Um, show me pictures of Justin Bieber, Beaver, I think he calls him, Beaver, and um, there's no service, so it gives you a game to play. Did you know that when you're out of range? No, yeah. I have no idea. There was no Justin Bieber involved in the game. Though. I don't think our kids know how to use good. technology as well as your son. No, good. Your son and our daughter are similar in age, and I, yeah. don't, I don't think that she would know how to do that. I don't know. I think he just saw me Google search something through Google mm. Voice. That, that's the crazy thing. Like Kids, like honestly, they don't even need to read. To get information, it's a little terrifying. I wasn't totally listening, and I shouldn't admit that. But unbelievable. Uh, after school today, she was telling me seven thousand <laughs> stories at a you know seven million miles a minute. Yeah. And as we were walking into the house afterwards, she said, "Yeah." And I saw it on YouTube. She's like, "Next time, can I get that?" And it suddenly, hit, and I'm like, "What? You what saw what you on ask? YouTube?" I'm yeah. like, what, "What are you asking for?" Like, yeah. Because why are they so obsessed with YouTube? And speaking of YouTube, you know, I I kind of tip of the hat to them because. Kids can consume, everyone can consume music. Like, remember when YouTube was just for music videos back in the day? <laughs> um, YouTube um, generates tons of royalties. Yes. Tons of royalties for creators um, on on all sides of the coin and, like, all through ad support. So it's so awesome because, like, again, you know, thanks to the internet, like, everything can be tracked, mm-hmm. you know, and even that, that ad money can be tracked, and so even crazy. if it's a hemorrhoid commercial, someone's making money off that hemorrhoid commercial. So it's... Yeah, we were talking about that um, when Janelle was in here. We were talking about real estate, how, like, you can now with the internet and with YouTube and whatever, you can take anything you like, and somebody else is going to like it, and you can make money from it. She was like, oh, yeah. girls make money putting on makeup. Yeah, I know. No, yeah. it's crazy. No, everything makes money. Uh, it's it's insane, but it's cool. I mean, like some of the biggest companies in the world have nothing. Look mm-hmm. at Uber; they don't have cars. I mean, like uh, Airbnb; they don't have. Oh, yeah, we they don't have. About they don't have fucking real estate. Yep. Yeah. YouTube; they don't have content. Like it goes to show that amazing ideas, in line with you guys doing this, like amazing ideas actually can 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 make you way more money than anything material, right? For sure. And information information sharing and good entertainment like podcasting is huge it's it's blown up it's insane it is crazy and i love it i love everything about it i love the format the you know like the the strategy of making sure that artists get paid from music in podcasts is something that's kind of a hot topic and being worked on oh yeah um but uh there's licenses that you put in place to have music on a web radio or music in a podcast um like like if you're not making money from it, it's like 30 bucks a year mm-hmm. to like make sure. But like there's some really serious strategy on getting the right data from all these podcasters because the way podcasts are distributed, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like everywhere, you know, to mm-hmm. like, but then there's all these, um, I don't know, do you guys, uh, do you guys go through like an ad network for your podcast too? Or is it, is it just kind of being distributed for free right now? This, this content for free right now, for free right now. Yeah. But then there are all these, uh, what are they called? Anchor. Oh, there's like 500 different ad placement yeah. uh, for for podcasts, and I think I think those are the guys with the data. Like you yeah. guys, you guys can see who's listening and where, right? That's the type of data that music companies need. Yeah. As long as if you have 500 people listening from Canada and that generated 200 dollars in the first quarter of the year, 
that is distributable, mm-hmm. right? So as long as you could find out where people are listening, you know where that money should go, which is like super weird. You would never know that back in the day. Like all the analytics, all of that like backend software stuff is so valuable to people. It's crazy. For sure. Should we talk about what people were talking about online, like what you actually need to do in order to be playing music in yeah. the clinic and what the differences are. Like I said, I learned this years ago because I had a client from SoCan who told me, sure, you can play your music here in the treatment room, but out there in the waiting room, we need to talk. Call it in tandem. That's that joint venture between ReSound and SoCan. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's the one-stop shop for like your licensing needs. I feel like I'm pitching for them or something. I don't work for <laughs> Intendum, by the way. Um, but yeah, you literally, and they don't go by some crazy legal documentation from what I know. It's just like, oh, you have background music at a spa. This is what you pay. And it's super simple. Sometimes background music stuff is very based on the square footage of an establishment. Or sometimes it's just like, um, you know, a minimum fee per year and it's and it literally so if you're playing radio like terrestrial radio yep. you don't need a license right it used to be different back in the day but nowadays if it's just terrestrial radio those terrestrial radio stations are already licensed so it's kind of like a double dipping right so if it's just radio even if it's on the speakers in the public area you're okay but if you're playing spotify like as you mentioned because it's confusing you're like but i bought a subscription to spotify that is for private use right that's for like your earphones on your ears mm-hmm. and enjoying your playlist if you're playing that spotify feed or google play or or apple or whatever in the public area it's it's synonymous with cds or your your what do people have ipad i, I mean ipods anymore an just iPod your phone in my treatment room well there you go. okay good 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 it's still relevant um it still plays music right um yeah anywhere that you're sourcing music from that is not music for business or a music supplier there's a lot of music suppliers out there too mm-hmm. um who you can go through that kind of aggregate all their businesses in pesocan or resound or whoever so um yeah you just you can't play music in a public area without being licensed for it. So if you're using Spotify and you're paying a monthly subscription, that's that's not qualifying you to play it in a public place. Yeah. So it all comes into that public performance. What are the repercussions of playing music in a public space without license? You know, hands chopped off, <laughs> uh, hanging. Uh, no, it's, you know what? I think... Death I think by beheading. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's mostly um, about education. Hmm. You know, like... Uh, I'm a, you guys are educators, so I'm preaching to the choir. Like, no one's going to strong arm you or threaten you. You know, like you said, most people just don't know. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Like, literally, I was in music, in sync rights, applying to jobs. I did not understand performance rights, and I, I'm a member of SoCan. Mm. Right? So, like, and, like, you know, being a member, signing up and putting your music, you know, registering your music is completely divorced from how businesses are licensed, right? Like, you're just trying to protect your copyright. You're like, maybe I'll make money one day. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So, like, it's super niche. It's really specific. So I think the main thing is, uh, even if you call for information, like, maybe someone would follow back up with you or something, you know, because you clearly outed yourself. But, I mean, it's, it's really a matter of, if someone walks into your spa, they'll, you know, that works in the industry or knows or would probably tell you about it and mm-hmm. be like, hey, you should go check out this website. Like, this is the stuff you need to use music yep. properly or whatever. Um, there's people on the road for, for these companies, like uh, external agents that like, you know, just kind of like, I won't call them music police, but like they, they stroll around and they, they are kind of mapping out like, you know, what businesses have licenses and which ones don't and that mm-hmm. type of thing. Um I think it's even more like, obviously, if you're like 
you know, a gym or a big restaurant or a concert venue, you're highly visible. Like, right. Or if members are performing at your establishment and reporting that they performed, if that venue is not licensed, there's no pot of money to pay you. So when your buddy was complaining, did you know we could be paid? Did he verify that those venues were licensed? Because if there's no pool of money to draw from, you don't want to just like take money out of the st- like the sky. You know, it won't <laughs> exist, right? So I yeah, think it's... they were licensed venues. <laughs> <laughs> For sure you should have gotten paid. But like... Yeah, exactly. The, op- the Opera House is a license. You are venue. owed five pennies, sir. <laughs> exactly. No, actually, there's a nice amount of money from performing your original work. I yeah. I think there's a lot of people that don't realize that by not paying these fees, you're actually stealing. Right. It's theft. But yeah. in this day and age with like the YouTube model and stuff, mm-hmm. I think people don't even realize when and if something's being properly done or improperly done. Like, we saw the evolution of, like, mp3.com that was super sketchy. And, like, yeah. we, we we saw, like, now, t- like, going to streaming. So- Have you ever seen that CFA commercial where the I don't think so. where this girl is, like, with a bunch of record label execs and they're like, how do we start making money off music, you know? And then, and then she's like... What if we, um, how do we sell more CDs was his thing. And she's like, well, what if we just made a subscription model and like got people to, and so we didn't have, to, and then, and he goes, how's that going to help us sell CDs or whatever? Like we've seen the whole thing shift and like go from illegal and pirated stuff to, yeah. to how things are done properly. And then kind of like seen how takedown notices and sound identification software and all this stuff, the policing of it. Um, and then the legitimizing of it. Same with uh, audiovisual stuff, like mm-hmm. like the Netflixes of the world, right? Like, you know, uh, all those sites from China that we were downloading mu- movies on or whatever, like, now <laughs> we don't need to anymore, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And don't get viruses on our computers. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure LimeWire ruined two laptops. Right? Oh, <laughs> easily destroyed. Destroyed my university, like, tap my computer tower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think we've seen that, and I think um, maybe, like, newer generations might not know about that evolution, and yeah, they have and no might idea. just go with whatever is kind of service their way or whatever subscription they can buy or whatever free thing that's being ad supported that exists, right? So mm-hmm. I think the idea of um I remember a Weezer album, they included a Snuggie <laughs> if you bought the album. Like, oh God, are you telling me people are buying the album for the Snuggie or like, is it a I was joke? about to say, I would have bought that album right? for the I, I love the idea of a Snuggie. I wish me I too, had one. Actually. I know. I, but in all fairness, I did like Weezer a lot. Me too. University. No, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm just... I'm Weezer just, and a Snuggie, I'm in. I'm just thinking as much as people, sh- people should be aware that, you know... Um, Creative people probably blood, sweat, sweat, and tears for yes. for that that song. Maybe they lost someone in their family, and that's what inspired them. And like maybe they're suffering from mental health issues, and 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 th- those dollars or that money coming back to them is they could change their life. Like like getting their song placed in a movie and getting you know a couple thousand dollars can 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 reinvent their life in that moment mm-hmm. and, and inspire them to make more incredible music. Like mm-hmm. let's face it, incredible music usually comes from people suffering. For so. Sure. So at least let's let's put some some money back their way. Um, so maybe they you know have some mental space or some you know some resources to record some more. Yeah, because a lot of stuff that I would see in, in those posts were like, well, the artist makes so much money anyway. I was Why just am I paying no. this? Say I'm so glad that you're here talking about this. Is because the general public only sees the performer. The general public only sees Britney Spears, right? So and, and from what I hear, no idea. from what I hear, Britney Spears, like I think her father is like controlling her life and keeping her prisoner oh. or something. What? All these conspiracy theories, eh? There are so... She gave up her children. There are so many fucking artists that 
actually are like have nothing have because, nothing because they got screwed out of the publishing Absolutely. or they got screwed out the running credits. Mm. I think I told this. Uh, I was speaking about this with uh, another dude that we did a podcast with. His name is Zach. He's a uh, I can't remember where he's from. He's from Texas or something. He's a bass. Okay. He's a bass player. Okay. And uh, we were talking about music publishing. And I was like, do you remember that Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney um, oh, yeah. duet? Yeah, of course. Whatever it was. And Michael Jackson was, this, this is the story that I always hear in an interview with Paul McCartney. And uh, Michael Jackson was talking to Paul McCartney about publishing. And because he had no idea about music publishing. Didn't he buy his masters and sell them back to him at the same price or something? I the don't. The Beatles? The Beatles. Well, uh, that's exactly what ended up happening, yeah. right? After he learned about music publishing oh my from God, Paul really? McCartney. Shut up. Wow. He ended up snaking the publishing. But then he gave it back at the same person. I, did he? I have yeah, no idea. I think, yeah, I think that's what happened, yeah. Ah. Gave it back, sold it back. Like, all know. those stories are like... Um... Oh, it's fascinating. Look at Prince. Oh. Artist formerly known as... Yeah. Why do you think that exists? Because his label. name and li- likeness was not owned by him. He, the record label owned That was a huge it. statement yep. that he made. And I remember thinking, like, who does this... I mean, not who does Prince think he is. He's Prince. <laughs> he can do whatever the fuck he wants. He's Prince. But, I mean... Um, I would have never understood. Mm. I was like, oh, he's just eccentric. No, I I, no. I didn't understand. I'm like, so the now you're a label? symbol? Yeah. Like, I, but I what, no an, what an ingenious move. Yeah. What a power move. You know, like, so you're known as a symbol. Nobody owns you. Yeah. Nobody owns that symbol, you know? It's like, insane. It's really, it's it's fascinating to see, you know, like, how how these things work, you know, on the back end of things, right? Yeah. Prince um, is actually really interesting like that too, because I've heard stories of how he really dislikes it when when uh, when people cover anything. Oh yeah, which I think is really interesting that because Sinead O'Connor made that one song, that Prince song that and no it, one knew it was a Prince song, and right. Sinead O'Connor did that cover, and it's like everyone knows it. Nothing compares to you. Mm-hmm. That's a Prince and, song. And was he okay with that? Uh, well, well, he, he made a he pretty made penny. A fucking pretty penny. Yeah, he should have been okay with it. Yeah, and so like I've heard him in interview. I've heard him being talked about in interview. Like, Shaka Khan's really mad. Shaka Khan's mad as hell because Whitney Houston did "I'm Every Woman." But you know what? It's ego. Yeah, it's ego. I mean, let's face it. I mean, um, it's it's. I think it's hard to be um, ego free. I mean, like everybody's you know sensitive, but I think. At a certain point, um, like true artists, you know, like they're just sensitive creatures. Oh, for sure. You know, that's what they feel so much. It's like a blessing and a curse, right? It's they're every moment of their day is is felt. That guy who re- the guys who recorded my album in Germany, the the main guy who produced it or whatever, he's a basket case. Like I love the dude to death, but like there's always something crazy and dramatic happening, you know. <laughs> mm. But I mean, like I know it inspires him. Um, my life has been so undramatic since I, you know, got married and had kids. I haven't written a song in years, you know, unless it was like for something you know, <laughs> specific purpose. But you were going to say something, sorry, about uh, the performers when I said that. Oh yeah, that people don't ever—they would never know. Right. They think they're rich, like well, filthy exactly. rich. Yeah. Like I said I just as a regular person, nothing to do with the music and anything I know is just because Mark tells me things. Right. I wouldn't know anything. So you know, you see somebody like. I'm going to use Taylor Swift because my kids love Taylor Swift. Yeah. You see somebody like Taylor Swift throwing a hissy fit over... Royalty and I'm or like, whatever. What the fuck, man? Like, you've got millions of dollars. Like, shut up and sit down. Like, that's the way that people think. That people think, think yeah. Right? So when... You know, I'm hearing from my client, you got to pay whatever it was, $62 to get this license to yeah. play music in your waiting room. I'm like, for who? Like, who is this money going? Like, yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah. It took, you know... A little no, more for sure. education on my end to understand where this money was going and why this was important and why it was important to use music properly. Yeah. On that note, 
that same person, I'm going to tell you what he told me and you can tell me if this is true. Okay. He said in my waiting room, and now that you say about the terrestrial radio, that's all we were playing actually. Right. But well, you were good. But once upon a time, it was licensable. Right. And so this was so years ago. So it's the paradigm ago. is so shifted. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe he Possible. Was, maybe yeah. he was right at the time. Yeah. But we, he told me for our waiting room, because that's considered a public space, anyone can walk in and out of there. So that had to be licensed. But my treatment room, he says, not public. Yeah. It's just you and your client. That's so accurate. That's, that's accurate. That's so accurate, yeah. RMTs, Same in like a doctor's office and like, yeah, I mean, even, um, no, gyms are different. But um, yeah, it's that kind of the patient client privacy, you know, that, that mm-hmm. idea. So if it's just me and you in the treatment room and I'm playing Spotify, that's fine. Yeah. Like, for example, in here, we don't have a waiting room. The only music that's ever played in here is in my treatment room. Yeah, exactly. So that's fine. Yeah, if you were like teaching people and like using music as a tool, you know, and it was kind of blasting or like during breaks or whatever, like, I mean... This is this is a very kind of specific and unique setting. Like I, yeah. I definitely think that like, you know, if if you have that street traffic visibility, if you have a waiting room where people sit, if you have screens up, if you have a lot of people go through music supplier uh, music suppliers nowadays too. Mm-hmm. So those are companies. I think there's like eighty or ninety of them in Canada, um, who basically uh, offer you know the music curation or the interface, and then yeah. also cover licensing for you. Um, which is nice. Like if you don't want to think about it, where it's usually less expensive to go directly mm-hmm. to societies. You yeah, know? it was not expensive when we got our license from Sochi. Yeah, like I said, it, I I feel like I remember it being like sixty two dollars. That sounds like it totally. Was, it was so cheap. That sounds bang on. Yeah. Um, so these music suppliers, um, they get licensed as well, but they're not licensed on square footage or whatever. They're licensed on what the business is paying them, hmm. right? So, but what ends up happening is because you're paying for hardware and software and this and that and all these extra things. You're probably, if you have the ability to curate great music and you know what your clients want to hear and whatever, you just go directly to the societies, the the in tandem that, that, that I was telling you, you don't even have to go to societies. You can just go to that one stop and, and just say, hey, I'm, I'm playing this music and this is the space and this is what I'm doing. Um, what do I do? You know, and uh, people are not going to like freak out on you. They're going to be like super thankful that you came to the table. I, I mean, when I was working in that world, um, I often get called from like religious people, like religious people, maybe it's their fear of God, <laughs> but I, I, it's crazy how like, you know, like those are the people that were like, I can't live with myself if I'm not doing this properly. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if it's just a coincidence that you appreciate music and you're religious, but like all these, uh, you know, internet, religious internet radios and whatever, like those guys are on point. Wow. Yeah. They're afraid. They're but afraid. Not, not, not of, not of like uh, music publishers or labels. They're just afraid of doing the wrong thing. You know? There's something to be said about fear, man. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, this is so not related to music, but it, you just reminded me of it. Um, I have a friend who, um, I want to bring my kids over to her place. And she recently had another kid over at her place and that kid like just fucked shit up. Mm. And so she's a little traumatized. <laughs> and I said, you don't have to worry. I'm like, I'm like a drill sergeant like my mother was and my kids fear me. So they'll be good. Oh, fear is crucial. I, my kid fears my husband way more than me. I'm a little jealous sometimes, you know, but then I like to be the good cop. But it's like, he's like, oh, don't tell. Just 
don't tell Papa. Whatever you do, it's like, oh, oh, can we can we watch something when Papa goes? I was like, dude, we're on the same team. Like, we have a united front against you. Like, I don't know why you think this guy's out to get you and I'm the good guy, but like, okay, we could cuddle. <laughs> okay, we cuddle. <laughs> yeah, that guy's mean. <laughs> but yeah, fear, I mean, I don't think it's a fear factor. I think that it's it's actually just really exciting to know that like, yeah, you're doing the right thing, but like, you know, people that I, the the writers of music are clearly not always very well paid, you know, mm-hmm. and, and everybody exactly. gets different types of deal. I think the cool thing about performance rights is that it's regulated by basically Copyright Board of Canada, mm-hmm. like, and everybody's treated the same way. So the Copyright Board of Canada comes with comes up with laws, and these these societies, these companies, basically go out and seek licenses, and they just roll out law. But these laws, what they're doing is protecting cultural fabric. Like they're protecting art, right? And it's really hard in this day and age to protect art. For sure. Because like who values it, right? So if there's, you know, if there's somebody or some uh, group of people out there kind of just pushing that there is a minimum value, mm-hmm. then at least that, that little sacred piece is protected, right? I don't even think a lot of people view music as art. I think that's a yeah. big, I think it's a big thing really? too. Yeah. It's all visual art and like graphics yeah. that is art. Huh. Yeah. Creative that's, works. That's strange though because it's like it's it's like paying for the licensing, right? So it's essentially allowing the people who create the music to get paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like with these people that are, are refusing to pay a SoCan fee in their clinic, would they feel okay walking into the fucking museum, taking a painting off the wall and walking home right. with it? That's essentially what you're doing. Like everyone went up in arms about Metallica, how Metallica took on Napster. And it's like, well, you're fucking rich metallica what do you care if we download your music for free well you're stealing fucking art is what you're doing yeah yeah and it creates like a precedent it's like well if you could steal metallica's shit well you could steal everybody's shit exactly right and i think i think you're right like i i think that physical goods is something that we still understand but back to like uber not having cars and this like like music is is a good like it, it's it's a product people yes. put time and energy and developed it and marketed it and and put their their soul into it so it's like it's even better than a mop like <laughs> you, you go to canadian tire and you're willing to spend 40 dollars on the state-of-the-art mop like what what like actual like heart and soul went into that and 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 then you get to enjoy this music it means something different than to you than it did to the person who made it but let's just at least compensate the person who made it for what what they did exactly yeah yeah i never really i never really thought about people not like i mean i view music as art but music is just something i think people take for granted because everywhere you go there's just music there's always there's always music music. yeah and majority of these businesses i now know are licensed to play that music and somebody's getting money for it but really everywhere you go you're in your car there's music. it's everywhere you're sitting in your desk there's music you're running you've got music in your ears like there's music everywhere Everywhere. and there's always a song stuck in my head yeah most of the time it's something i don't want to be stuck in my head what's stuck in your head right now oh put me on the spot nothing because i'm talking to you guys but (laughs) (laughs) you know when i said that though you know what i started singing in my head can you guess i can't i have no idea oh come on Newlyweds, come on. Newlyweds, we've well, been married. Seven I know, but it's like the newlywed years, game. Seven know? years. How well do you know each other? I would have no idea. No. Okay. I I just 
question. Just because you're you, you're all over the place with what you like. And I do. am Turn tables out of my no, no, that was <laughs> no. Actually, uh, as soon as we started talking about what's in what's in your head, wait, I wait, started time out, singing. Time out. Yeah. Two turntables and a microphone, right? That's what you think of when you hear two massage therapists and a microphone. Oh, in not fairness, not, I told her. I got uh, the backstory. Uh, I, I got her. the backstory, but it was the first thing I thought of. Come was on, it? Okay. well, of course. Tell it's my her. era. Please tell her the story. It's my era. Oh, you you didn't tell her? No, I didn't tell her. I told her the story of how we named the podcast. So this guy on Facebook, because I post these podcasts in different massage groups, he's, I can't, I, I want to pull it up, but I got blocked from Facebook today. Shit, I can't pull it up. Basically, this guy said to him, are you familiar with Two Girls, One Cup? <laughs> Just made Holly choke. Yeah, I've avoided seeing that my whole life. Well, it's really disgusting. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I can't I don't know how I've managed to avoid it but I've avoided it. I've actually never seen it but I know what it is and when this guy wrote the comment basically he was saying um have you heard about it and if you have why would you think this is a good strategy to name your podcast and so Mark responded like uh no dude it was nothing to do with that it's about that Beck song where yeah. it's at two turntables and a microphone of course and um yeah, when he showed me that, there was actually like a little bit of anger in me. I was like, why would you think that Did we would name our podcast? Weigh in on it? I don't think so. I don't know. Because you wrote it in the public section or what? Where did I, I don't even remember where I put it. it Fuck, I a, wish I could look it up. It was in a Facebook group. But either way, yeah. um, I think most people would have associated our name with the song and not with the disgusting. Yeah. And then when I was like, this is where it came from. It actually came from that Beck song. He's like, that must be an obscure song. I've never heard it before. So not an obscure and song. I'm like, I'm like, you, you. You, you know two girls one cup it's but you don't back. you don't know this how obscure could it be and also you know what it also makes me think of um no plug to this company but uh the two men in a truck yeah mm. the moving company yeah, yeah, yeah. see that's a more normal reference like this, <laughs> this guy's a freak because he, he that that weird viral video came out like at the beginning of viral videos so he's like living like 10 years back. Yeah, that's true. He is nasty. Yeah. Right on. This was awesome. Before you, before we wrap this though, before yeah. we wrap this, <laughs> Pun before, intended. We, before we wrap this, give me a little bit of your background when it comes to spitting lyrics. Um, I want to know where, I don't want to know when it started. 90s hip hop um, started when did I you start? Was... Did you start listening to hip hop in the 90s or were you listening before? Yes. Well, yeah, before I guess. Okay. Or like, like, yeah. How old was I in ninety? She's she's about my age. She's yeah, a couple so like, years older. Yeah, so. early nineties, like ninety mm-hmm. ninety one. So, what were you listening to in like nineties? Give me, give me some of the artists. I I'm mean, um, most Def, Talib, um, Tribe Called Quest, Farside, um, Bahamadia, um, obviously Gangstar, yeah, Easy, yeah. uh, you know, like Busta Rhymes, Common, right on, yeah, all that stuff. I actually didn't listen to rock until I met my husband who had black nail polish and um, is actually a black dude with black nail polish listening to rock. And I'm like the white Jewish chick that purely listened listened to hip hop. And we met at a coffee shop, looked at each other and said, you know what this is? What's wrong with you? This is Jungle Fever Part 2. Exactly. (laughs) I'm calling up Spike Lee tomorrow. (laughs) But it all worked out and and I rubbed off on him. He rubbed off on me because I, um, I started to listen to like a lot. A lot, like a bigger variety of music at least yeah. Um, but uh, yeah and I was living out in BC when I finally had the guts to um, while I was driving up to Whistler to snowboard I'd listen to Mob Deep instrumentals mm-hmm. um, and just rap the whole way and then I started you know going out with DJs and, and reggae bands and just grabbing mics because uh, I've always kind of liked uh, poetry and public speaking and yeah, that yeah. type of thing and um, 
Yeah, it it all started there pretty much. All right, well, uh, grab the mic, Holly Dish. <laughs> do something. You want me to do something? Um, something original or something that everybody knows? Something original. Yeah, all right. Um, let me think of We're something. We're not licensed. No, that's okay, because <laughs> I own this shit and I hereby give you permission. Uh, self-published. <laughs> um, okay, uh... If you tell me no, I spell you yes, capital Y, request, nothing but the best. West is where the crazies go, so I face the east, base the beast on the beauty beneath. Could be your last dance with Mary Jane, Tom Petty paved the way, but if you petty, don't save the day. Time has come for me to bounce. <laughs> right on, right on. This is good. Yeah, Thanks mean, for hanging, man. This is fun. I miss I miss ciphers and, and freestyling. That was definitely a, a verse, a piece of a verse from a song. <laughs> so you can you can yeah, look up Holly Dish. I have some some music. Right on, right on. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you for coming in. I guess we can label this as a conversations with clients. Heck yeah, that's what this Holly is. Dish. Yes, yes. Anytime. I, I need a massage so badly, so I will continue to be your client and continue to come back to you. And now that I know you can rap, you can entertain me while I can entertain you. <laughs> yes. I treat you. Yes, absolutely. All, All right, right. All right, guys. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.